Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's Living Your Dash podcast. And uh, so we're doing something a little different today uh, because uh, we, are, we are still going through the Jordan River rules. And uh, But this past week, uh, Rick, you let me take the driver's seat, and uh, I appreciate you letting me do that. My so. pleasure. And by the way, folks, if you have not listened to Sean's message, you really need to tune in. Go to our webpage, roswellgrace.com forward slash watch. I mean, excuse me, forward watch. Yeah, forward slash watch. Or just click on the Jordan River Rules. It's that's still there the on the main That's page. the easiest way. But really, you need to listen to the message. Uh, Sean did a great job Thank digging you, into the passage but and the application of what difference does this make in our lives. Yeah. It, it was good. So go, was, go, and, go and watch. It was so fun to do. So I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I can't believe, I mean, this, this whole series about crossing the Jordan, and it's taken us to the seventh message series to get here. <laughs> six weeks we're preparing, and week seven was let's get across. Is, you know, in, in a way, is that kind of a, a good metaphor? Oh, I, mean, I think for... it is. I think it is in life. There's yeah. so many things that, um, you know, it's the old, you need to do ready, aim, fire. Mm-hmm. A few weeks back, we looked at that. Right. And if you are a person who is impulsive and it's fire, 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 you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. There's just a lot to doing the the hard work of preparing before you move forward. Right. But you can't stay in the ready, ready, ready. No. Like, oh, I that's have to the other, more details. That's the other extreme that yeah. you need to avoid. That's right. That's right. And so we finally get to this, this we, well, we finally get to the passage where they're, they're crossing over. We're still, we're just finally finishing up uh, uh, Joshua chapter 3. And so... You know, you know, Rick, one of the ways I'd like to, to handle today is just, I don't know, just ask some questions about what both of us kind of think about these things. And so, um, uh, anyway, what is, what's your favorite part of the story? Like, my favorite part of the story was trying to imagine, you know, Joshua, right before they go in, it's like he says, okay, hey, before we go in, let me remind you of a few things. And he took them. I think that he talked. He went went back to Deuteronomy eight when God retells them, or he tells them, "This is exactly what I want you to do. Uh, I want you." To, but the most important thing is remember my word, and that's that famous passage where man does not live by bread alone, uh, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Which, of course, Jesus used when when he was facing uh, the the enemy. So that was that was my favorite part. Of the speech. Yeah, oh, boy, that's a hard one. My favorite part of this story, I would have to say, as I look back and, you know, listening to your sermon, it popped out in, in just graphic detail to me, mm. is twice it mentions that they crossed on dry ground. Yeah. And I began to think about that. I think, number one, what was the big deal, you know, about <laughs> the dry ground? And why did he mention it twice? And it didn't say, and they crossed and got mud on their shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two miracles that took place. One was the piling up of the water. Yes. But number two, 
It was it wasn't muddy. They crossed on dry ground. Yeah. And I had a little deja vu moment, so I went back and actually I checked it uh, to see if the if similar language was used on the crossing of the Red Sea when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, and it is the wow. very same thing. When you go back and read the story in Exodus, uh, it said, "And the people, you know, Moses held out the staff; the water parted, and." Not only does it say they crossed on dry ground, I went back earlier in the passage and God promised. He said, now Moses, when you get down there, here's what I want you to do. And when you hold it out, the water's going to part and the people are going to cross on dry ground. There it was again. Whoa. And so that was just fascinating to me. It was really a confirmation again of Joshua's leadership that he's the new Moses. Yes. And just like God parted the Red Sea dry ground, with Moses, now with Joshua, the Jordan River parts dry ground. You know, not to get lost in the, the minutia of all this, but I'm thinking whenever I walk across a stream bed, even where if it's a low water bridge, there's always, if there's, if there's not cement there, there's always like rocks or things like that. You know, it's just been, you know, tumbled down through the movement of the water, but especially after a flood. Uh, a flood stage is going to really upset things, and it's going to make particularly the middle of the riverbed very soft and muddy. And so I'm thinking, yeah, there's, as you were talking about that, that's another miracle. Just this miracle of it's hard packed, and you're not going to have huge boulders that you're going to have to, that are going to break wheels or break legs and stuff like that. Yeah. Dry ground. Wow. It's amazing. It's like, I don't know. That's I don't know. If that that's another favorite part of my story as well. So, okay. Well, what about um, the most meaning, the most meaningful to you personally? Well, the, when you when you tell the story about the 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 way in which they approached the Jordan River and that the priests were leading the way, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And it went into great detail of when you know right when they got down there when their toes touched. The Jordan yeah. is when it happened. And again, it just hit me. Uh, again, it was last week. It was you know in the instructions. It was this week. And when they actually put it into practice, the, uh, the priests were leading the way, carrying the ark. And just great symbolism there, uh, Sean. The way, the way God has always worked, Old Testament and New Testament, it's always people following godly leaders following God. And that mm. ark represented the presence of God. You know, yeah. Joshua made that very clear. Look at the ark. Keep your eye on the ark. Follow the ark. So that's the symbolism of God's presence. But it's not just God leading the way, but it's God leading the way with with godly leaders, the priests who are right there, and then the people follow behind. Yeah. What a great model for the church. It's right. people following godly leaders who better be following God. Now, not to get too ahead, too much ahead of ourselves, but we're going to be talking more about, about uh, uh, ministry in the church and how, how God has called people. I mean, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that right now, or do you want to wait? Well, this, no, we, we can give a little hint. Yeah. But, but coming up after Easter, we're doing a series here uh, called Volunteer Revolution. Mm. And it's the whole idea of the biblical principle that every member is a minister. Yeah. 
And built into that is this concept of leaders. What is the purpose of, for example, what is the role of pastors? It's not to do the ministry. Mm-hmm. No, Ephesians 4 said the role of pastors and teachers is to equip God's people mm-hmm. to do works of service, to do the ministry. Yeah. So my job, Sean, your job as a pastor is not to do all the ministry here at Grace. Yeah. Our job is to train, equip, resource, encourage yeah. p- others to step up to the plate and to lead. Yeah. So we better be following God, and then people need to be following our leadership, and then other people in their ministries need to be following them as ministry leaders. Yeah, what I find interesting is that it's not Joshua that's standing in the middle oh, no. of the river. It's, we don't even know who these guys' names are. No. We'll never, well, we'll know eventually, but we don't even know their names. These nameless guys walked in too, and, uh, and I just, I, yeah, I just love it. They, there's just, there's flood, 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 no flood. <laughs> in fact, dry, dry arroyo, right? Like, we, like we see in New Mexico. And I just, I just love that. I think, I think that for me, when those, they had to stay there. And I don't know if it was the same four guys, or maybe it's eight guys. Let's say it's eight guys, two on each side. But either, either way, that's heavy. That's a long time for two to 2.5 million people to walk past them. And they had to stand in the middle. Uh, and even if they just let the ark down, which doesn't say that. It doesn't really say how they, they actually position themselves. But I don't think that they would have set it down. I think they would have held it on their, their shoulders. And I, I mentioned this in my message that sometimes God calls us to bear the weight of holiness. Bear the weight of what we were. And as you talked about before, holiness is that sense of consecration that God has chosen us for this thing. And so I think sometimes for people who are going through um, chronic disease or they're uh, you and I, I mean, there's always this this issue of will cancer uh, be a reoccurrence? Will your back cause more problems? Uh, Will your neuropathy cause more problems? What's going to happen? And so that's just bearing the weight of a consecrated life to God. So... Yeah, great message, and you know this idea that we all have a responsibility, and in some ways, you know, the old expression is true: we all have a burden to bear. Yeah, and there is a burden, and God uses those burdens in a positive, redemptive, productive way to help us grow, to trust Him more. And when we would like to wave a magic wand and make all of them, all the burdens go away, yeah. um, not this side of heaven. That's right. So. You, you bear it with grace and you say, God has assigned me this task. Yeah. And I may not understand it now. Yeah. But I'm going to faithfully trust him and I'm just going to get the job done. And then I think about that, that whole issue of bearing. Um, I didn't mention it in the, in the sermon because there's just not enough time. So, but I think about when Jesus calls us as disciples, he also calls us to bear the, the yoke with him. But that's important is that he does say that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, but it, we're also bearing it with him. Mm-hmm. And so we always know that he will never leave us to forsake us because he's with us. And to extend it one step further, Galatians 6 says we're to bear one another's burdens. Oh, yeah. So we yoke with Christ and he helps us with our burdens. We're not alone. Yeah. But our fellow believers are not alone either. We, we're bearing up their burden. 
That's right. And fulfilling the law of Christ. That's right. Galatians 6. And then even that, so for for the Ark of the Covenant, was not meant to be carried by one person. No, no. Um, I almost think the reason why the Lord made it out of gold was it's so heavy. Not two people can do it. Four people or more had to do it. And so... uh, We are, and we're going to learn this later, but we are better together. Yes, we are. Okay, all right. So that's what I found most meaningful personally. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, What about, as you were were looking at this, Rick, and as I was looking at this, the question I had was, what's something that I didn't see until this study? And I didn't see it until I was reading it along with my small group last night, and that is that um, there have been a couple of things that have happened that are very important with the Jordan. Uh, it was not only the crossing of the Jordan for Israelite to go for the Israelites to go make the nation, but it was also um, Elisha and Elijah when Elijah was about to have his succession story completed. Right. They rolled up his cloak. He slapped it on the Jordan, and it parted. Uh, so it's not a, it was more like a Red Sea parting, it sounds like. Yeah. But even still, there was a parting. Um, and then, of course, where was Jesus uh, baptized? Oh, right. Right there in the Jordan. Right in the Jordan. And, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, I always thought it was just kind of a, an interesting landmark that happens. But I, I think there's more to it, isn't there, Rick? There's something very special about this place as a beginning or this place as a an authoritative uh, place of, of starting. I don't know. What do oh, you think? Oh, I think so. And just like the uh, the parting of the Red Sea with Moses, God said, don't ever forget this. Yeah. This is a, a major milestone in your history. And for Israel, the Jordan River, major milestone. Yeah. It, it was the, finally, after all these hundreds and hundreds of years, you are entering your promised land. Yeah. And here... And here's the door. It was it was like a doorway. Here's yeah. the door, and walk through the door into your promised land. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think God. Well, we're going to really learn this Sunday. God is saying you can't forget this. Yeah. And God made a special event to make sure that they did not forget it. We'll talk about that next week. Right, right. That'll, <clears throat> that's, I can't wait for that. I I, I love that. I'm, so I can't believe you gave me this one, but I would have loved to preach that one as well. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that's something I didn't see. So anything that you didn't see before? Yeah, and I always look for a repetition in a mm-hmm. passage. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, dry ground was right. mentioned twice. and Well, twice in, in your text Sunday... The Lord of the Earth, the Lord of the Earth popped up. Yeah. And it got me thinking of um, that, the emphasis, and you really see it when you study the Psalms, that that God is the God of the whole earth. Yeah. We have to remember back in those days, there was such a strong belief in what was called localized deities. And so, you know, the Canaanites had their their God, but but he lived with them. So yeah. he didn't control other areas. He he was geographically limited. Mm-hmm. So they had localized deities. Israel's God comes along and God says, oh, uh, by the way, I'm not the God of the east side of the Jordan or the west side of the Jordan. No, no, no. I, I'm the God of the whole earth. Yeah. And go through the Psalms sometimes and just look for the emphasis that that God is is 
really in control of everything. Yes. And that emphasis in that passage, twice he says, listen, this is my earth. The Jordan River, I made it. I created it. I can make it at flood stage or I can stop the flow with a with a snap of my finger. Yeah. And then it got me thinking, Sean, of when Jesus comes on the scene, several of his miracles recorded in the gospel were called nature miracles. Ah. Where he fed the five thousand, where he walked on water, where yes. he stilled the storm. Yes. What are those saying? Uh, Jesus is controlling nature. Yes. He can make it stop. He can make it start, whatever it is. Well, that is saying, um, I am God. Yeah. Jesus is God. And just like God controlled nature in the Old Testament, Jesus controls nature. What does that say? Well, it says Jesus is truly God in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, Just the exclamation of the disciples when they said, who is this? Yeah, who can pull this off? Yeah. And say they were asking the right question. And the answer is, only God can do this. Yeah. Oh, we are in the presence of God in the flesh. You know, when I'm thinking of when Jesus did that wonderful miracle for Peter of filling up his nets full of fish, um, the, the most appropriate thing that Peter did was to fall on his knees and to say, away from me because I'm a wicked man. And Rick, do, are you a little concerned sometimes with the way that we approach the Lord that we, that we really need? It's healthy for us to have a time when our reverence for God is so, it, it, it really comes to the grip of reality that we are driven to our knees. Yeah, we, and we just want to say, away from me, Lord. Don't have anything to do with me. I don't deserve you. Yeah, we, we have to be careful that familiarity breeds contempt. Oof. And sometimes familiarity breeds familiarity. Uh. And we have to be careful of that. And it is true that God is our Father. We're His children. So we have that, that, that family relationship and that closeness. And the presence of God is always with us. And if we're not careful, we can, we can cross a line and become so familiar with God that we forget his holiness and yeah. his awesomeness and that um, we cannot stand in his presence as sinners. Yeah. Only by the grace of God and the blood of Christ That's right. do we have a relationship. So we have to hold those in balance that he is a wonderful, loving, kind, heavenly father, very gracious, very merciful, very understanding. And at the very same time, he is the holy, magnificent, awesome God. Yeah, yeah. And I know that we, you know, people want to, um, I, I don't want to stay here too long, but there's this phrase I keep hearing that love is love. doesn't matter. Love is love. God is love. doesn't matter. And what you just said brings so much clarity to it. Yes, God is love. He said that himself. That's how we even know it. But when we consider that, that he is also the jealous God, and the God that had no problems dropping his own chosen people, a whole generation of them, uh, in the desert <laughs> to be remembered no more. Because he, of their unholiness yeah. in, in the presence of a holy God. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary stuff here. So, all right. Things we didn't see. All right. Well, how about this? Um, maybe the most important thing for us to remember 
from this passage uh, as a church, like uh, as the church. And, and like I was thinking, um, some have framed the conquest of the land as, as kind of like a red herring. I mean, we, we've heard this before, at least I've heard this before, that that we glamorize what is basically a, kind of a sanctioned coloni- colonization by genocide. And um, in reality, this was the driving out and displacing of idolatry. And I think that this is, I'll touch on it later, but I think this is important, is, is that, that God, is, God owns that land. They don't hold the deed to that land. And the, their, their practices were despicable anyway. But um, this, this, to me, speaks more of that. I think that as disciples, we need to think clearly about like the new Canaanite gods that we have that we've allowed to seep in our culture that are infecting the church. For instance, convenience over consecration or hearing preaching over uh, Bible study or personal Bible study, listening from the Lord. Uh, I was reading how uh, Oswald Chambers once said that, you know, we'd rather hear a sermon because if we hear a sermon, then it's like, well, that's that's kind of nice what the preacher said, but that, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll do it or not. But when we hear from God... We've heard from God. We have to do it. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Oh, yeah. Very good. Well, th- this was a hard one. Uh, important thing to remember for the church. Uh, I- I'm going to repeat myself a little bit. But, again, I think for me the, it's the theme that the only way forward is to follow God. Mm. It's that, that picture of the Ark of the Covenant about 10 football fields ahead of the people. Yeah. And they were to keep their distance and that way everybody could see when that ark being carried by the priest, when it got to the water's edge, that's when the waters parted. Mm. So it just, it just hit me again that you follow God. Now, his ways may be hard. They may be challenging. They demand faith. Sometimes you don't know all the whys, all the answers. But, Sean, I've got to tell you, you know, I'm older than you, Um I've been around the block a couple of more times. I'm just telling you, God's ways work. Amen. They just flat out work. Yeah. And it goes back back to Joshua chapter 1. What does God tell Joshua? Obey my, can, my, my commands and you will be successful. Yes. Sometimes Christians run away from that word successful. Uh-huh. You should not. No. Now you need to have God's definition right. of success. But if you follow God's commands... You will be successful in life. Mm-hmm. It's it's really the old, you know, the Bible's the owner's manual. Right. God created us. He gave us the owner's manual. Follow the owner's, owner's manual. You know, change the oil when you're supposed to. <laughs> change the tires when you're supposed to. Check the fluids. Yeah. Uh, and your life is going to run. Yeah. I'm just telling you, there is something that is self-authenticating about the Bible, yes. that when you put it into practice, it authenticates itself. It actually works. Yeah. So that hit me once again is they're, they're moving into the land, as you mentioned, this new beginning into the promised land. So what does God say? You follow me. You follow my commands. When you get into the land, you're going to succeed in conquering the land and populating the land and farming and ranching the land, you're going to be a very, very prosperous people, mm. which when you fast forward, you you see happening 
especially during the time of King David and King Solomon. Uh, but then, when you follow the end of Solomon's life, he got off into idolatry. Yeah. So what happened to the land? Civil war. Divided. Divided. Yeah. And and it ended in you know North Israel being taken into Assyrian captivity in mm-hmm. 722 BC. 586, 587 BC, South Judah carried into Babylonian captivity. Everything fell apart. What happened? Why did they stop being successful? They stopped obeying the commands of God. Right, right. That is what hit me. Is that? And I, and I really hope the church can remember that. You follow God, it'll pay off. So in, in saying that, Rick, are, are you saying that you are seeing way too many examples of people that they're not experiencing success oh, in their life because of this. Yeah, and you wonder. You look back. People come. People come to our church all the time, broken, broken lives. Mm-hmm. And when you get to know them, and you say, "Okay, what happened to get you in this position?" And it was you can boil, you can boil it down to one phrase: they disobeyed the commands of God. Yeah, and it wrecked their lives, their health, their marriage, their family, their careers. And you look back, and it it really is. They they didn't follow the commands of God, and they are living unsuccessful lives. Yeah. I, I see this in, in, well, I see this in my own life, too. Sure. Uh, the, the two steps forward, one step back kind of thing, where I re-engage back in church. Well, now I don't do that, but I re-engage back in church, but then I'm tempted away, and I fall back. And then I get into trouble. Then I re-engage, and maybe this time I'm not just going to go to church. I'm going to maybe volunteer, uh, but then I fall back again. I, yeah. I see this pattern in a lot of people. Yeah, and the problem with that pattern, that yo-yo pattern, is when you come back in, you've done damage to your life. Oh, and you, yeah. have to, you have to walk through those consequences. And as much as you would like, the church cannot unscramble eggs. Yeah. So you come with scrambled eggs. You know, we try to help you, we try to deal with it, but the bottom line, damage has been done, and sometimes it's irreparable damage. Yeah, and that's no yoke. No. No. <laughs> okay. That was bad. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so the, the last question I have is, um, what does this passage have to say to the world today? Maybe you just said that. Well, you know, it just follow there. We have to remember there is only one true God. Yeah. Only one true God. And Sean, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, when, when the dust settles, you better be on the right team. Yeah. You better be with God. And I went back, I was reading Acts chapter 3 this morning. And one of Peter's early, early sermons, uh, one of the very first sermons recorded uh, in Christian history in Acts 3. Peter has an opportunity to preach, and he, he says, Repent then and turn to God. I just love that picture. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing yeah. may come from the Lord. That's the message to the world is, mm-hmm. hey, your, your life isn't over. You may have done great damage, but turn to God. He'll wipe out your sin. You have to walk through the consequences, yeah. but listen, God has times of refreshing, yeah, and he wants to refresh your life. He's on your team. He's on your side. He wants the best for you. Yeah. I, I wish the world could learn that lesson. Yeah, yeah. Me too, personally. So, you know, earlier I talked about just the yo-yo. You, you call it the yo-yoing. And, uh, at least, I will say this. If, listener, you are listening and that that's been a pattern in your life, 
at least you're coming back, right? Absolutely. So, you know, let's encourage. The, the scripture says in Galatians, we, we should, if we see a brother sinning and we can help him come back, uh, we've saved him from a multitude of sins. And, and uh, well, actually, that's not Galatians, is it? But, but we, I mean, we do need to be careful that we ourselves not are, are not tempted. Yeah. And uh, we can't walk that, that walk for them. Uh, and we certainly don't want to fall in the same sin. But okay, so I think for me, when when I think about this passage, I, um, you know, you mentioned how twice that in verse eleven, verse thirteen, it describes uh, God, Yahweh, you know, right, the the Lord of all the earth. Twice, He is the Lord of the land, the Lord of the sea. That nothing is too difficult for Him. Um, but that means we we really do have to throw ourselves upon the grace and mercy of God to surrender uh, to his plans and his purpose. Um, and that really, um, when we all think about the, our own personal Jordan Rivers, whether it is uh, the pain of disease, um, I don't know, I've come to the conclusion that if you live long enough, you're just going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just a matter of time. It really is. I mean, if it, it may not be cancer. It may not be uh, um, debilitating arthritis. It may not be back pain. But it's going to be a serious illness until you're done. Something is going to get you. Yeah. None of us are going to get out of this alive. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it because Isaiah 43 does tell us, and this is, we talk about in our small groups, but Isaiah 43 says, when you walk through the through the waters, uh, when you walk through the flood, when you walk through the fire. It doesn't say we won't go through those. It just says that he will be with us. We won't drown. And so um, there's great, great profit to listening to God and, and walking with him. Okay, well, Rick, uh, thanks so much for walking through this and some of these questions with me, but uh, I hear some music. Yep, there it is. It is time for Rick's Quote of the Week. All right, Rick, what do you got for us today? Well, you and I both mentioned this phrase, the Lord of all the earth. And yes. Sean, so many people in our culture today do not believe in God. They've been influenced by Darwinian atheism. Right. And that we're just, you know, a, a part of the cosmic explosion, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And... You know, when people have that view, it changes everything in their life. But I was re reading a book by Josh McDowell, who's a great Christian um, apologist. Mm -hmm. And Josh McDowell has a great line, and it's just a reminder. He said, concerning evolution, he said, If we rose from lower animals, we have no responsibility to a higher power. Now think about mm. that. If your view is, yeah, I, I just, I arose from lower animals. Yeah. Yeah, then you're not going to see any need to be responsible to a higher power. Yeah. But my friend, when you realize that the Lord is the Lord of the earth, then you have a responsibility to him because he is the higher power. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Ooh, good quote. Love it. I love me some Josh McDowell. Always have. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rick, what else is going on here at Grace? Well, this Sunday, the journey continues with the Jordan River rules. We're going to be looking at rule number eight. They're across the Jordan River. And, you know, they got things to do, places to go, people to see. But God <laughs> says, wait, don't move. We're going to build a monument. So rule number eight is build a monument. We're going to learn why is that important in our lives today and 
And how do we build monuments today mm -hmm. so that we will remember and not forget what God has done? So very excited about uh, rule number eight. I can't wait to have this discussion next week. So, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. And uh, Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roselgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roselgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.